You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Our show presented by Haley Sampson, Union Home Board. on a steamy Friday afternoon. It's basically the first day, first evening of high school football. A few games have been pushed back an hour for the heat, but uh, we'll talk about that with Ben Thomas, AL.com. At the bottom of the hour, Kevin Starbinski, a longtime writer and a member of the Basketball Writers Hall of Fame, is going to join us as well. And then we're going to go bourbon and cigars around 1.30 as we'll talk to Greg and Mar and R. Lars, how are you today? I'm doing good. Uh was out running errands this morning, and it, it's just amazing. You, 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 it, at 9 a.m., you know, you walk out your front door, and it's just like... A blast of heat hits you, and you're suddenly covered in sweat. It is, uh, it, it is uh, rough out there, and uh, and I hope that um, you know all, all the high school players uh, stay hydrated, and uh, just praying that uh, nothing goes uh, sideways in terms of uh, all the players' health and. And, uh, and hey, also, you know, college football is finally here, Matt. This is the yep. last time. This is the last time we are going to talk without actually having a game to talk about that has been played. Um, you know, the, the real fun does begin next week with week one. But this Saturday, there are seven FBS versus FBS games on the schedule in what we now commonly refer to as week zero. And uh, the headliner, obviously, is the game in Ireland between number 13, Notre Dame, and Navy. But then also in action, you got number 6, USC, and the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. Uh, they take uh, or they host San Jose State in a game that's on the Pac-12 network. So good luck finding that. But um, and and also I found it interesting that uh, the odds for winning the Heisman were released by the Caesars Sportsbook, and uh, and really Caleb Williams is the favorite at all sportsbooks. Uh, at Caesars, he's got uh, fifteen to four odds. Uh, no other player has single-digit odds. LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels is 10 to 1. Uh, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, and he's the guy that I'm keeping my eye on. And we've been talking a lot about Quinn Ewers over the last three years. And I, I think this is when he, I think he takes a big step forward. Quinn Ewers is at 14 to 1. And then Michigan quarterback JJ McCarthy, who is uh, the top returning quarterback in the Big Ten. He's a big reason why that Michigan is the favorite in the Big Ten. Uh, his odds are at 16 to 1. And, well, he's the uh, only experienced quarterback coming back of the top uh, four in the nation, right? That is, that is correct. And so that makes this a, a bit of a... Uh, it's a unique situation that uh, there is a lot of uh, inexperience at the quarterback position among the top teams in the country. Uh, and uh, Bo Nix, he's also at 16-1. to 1. Sam Hartman, quarterback at Notre Dame, transferred from Wake Forest, he's at 16-1. to 1. Drake May, who uh, a lot of people think could be the second overall pick in next uh 
uh, next uh, season's NFL draft. He's at 16 to 1. And uh, I, I found interesting that Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, wide receiver at Ohio State, he's at 18 to 1. And I, I think he's got a, a really good chance. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., I don't know if you've had a lot of opportunity to see him play, Matt, but he I is, have. Uh, he's incredible. He, he's, he's incredible. He's incredible. He's, I, I think pound for pound, he's probably the best player in the country. And then, uh, qu- quarterback Carson Beck, Georgia, he's at 20 oh, to one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, be interesting, uh-huh. you know, uh, I, I, I am a little surprised, but I know this is, it's, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, around the Alabama quarterback position. But I'm a little surprised that, uh, that, that one of the Alabama quarterbacks didn't show up there. Uh, and, uh, and you know the one that I'm talking about. Really? I, I, I surprised, I, I thought perhaps he would sneak in to, uh, to the, uh, like the 20 to 1 list. But I, I don't know what the odds are, uh, for Jalen Milroe. But, uh, you know, if they're like 50 to one, man, why, why not put, why not put a little money on that? Because look, if he, if, because he's not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm, I'm just call me Mr. Flippy Floppy. All right. Well, uh, hey, I, your money, you put your dime on it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, down. I'll have to look up what his odds actually are. But let's say that he uh, does assume the starting quarterback position and Alabama goes on to win the national championship, right? I mean, uh, right there, you're in the conversation or Alabama goes on to make the college football playoffs. Uh, you're in the uh, short conversation for winning the Heisman Trophy if you are the quarterback of a team that has uh, guided uh, guided your squad to the final four in the college football playoffs. So anyway, uh it, it's uh, it often goes to the the quarterback on the best team in the country. It's it's it, and this is, has become unfortunately in my estimation a quarterback award. And the, and the only player that I mentioned that wasn't a quarterback is, is Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and he's twenty to one. Yeah, uh, but uh, but it's it's interesting though. At FanDuel and DraftKings, and those are the two largest U.S. sports books. Marvin Harrison Jr. has actually gotten more bets than Caleb Williams. So more than twice as as much money has been bet on Harrison than Williams at FanDuel. Yet Harrison is a thirty to one underdog. So take it for what you will. That's who I would bet on, you know, yeah. to, to try and get a little return on it. And yeah. uh, I think we all saw, at least in postseason, what this guy can do. Uh, and his father is a Hall of Famer, right? Uh, yes, yes. I think if not, he should. Uh, I don't know if he can say this if he's still in still in college, but he's already better than his father. Am I wrong? That's saying something, yeah. Uh, Marvin Harrison Sr. was uh, just an amazing player uh, at Syracuse. I remember him there. And then once he got teamed up with Peyton Manning, and then they had Reggie Wayne 
on the uh, opposite of him, and they had Dallas Clark, uh, a great tight end who could control the middle, so you couldn't necessarily double Marvin Harrison. And with Peyton Manning, gosh, what an offense that was! And uh, it's yeah. still it's still kind of shocking to me that 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 Colts team. Right with those sort of big four on offense, and then you got a, a center like Jeff Saturday. Um, you had Edgar and James Edge as as the running back. How did they only win one Super Bowl? You know, it's it's uh, it's it, it, it's surprising to me. But um, yeah, I I, I think uh, he would be a, a good a good bet right now. Also, Brock Bowers. 60 to 1. I know a tight end, I don't think a tight end has ever won the, the Heisman Trophy. You'd have to probably go back to like the, the 40s or 50s if there is one. I, I don't believe there is, but if somebody could do it, it'd be Brock Bowers. Cause Brock Bowers, I would say, is the best player on the best team heading into this season. And, I can't uh, believe he does better odds. What'd you say they were? 50 to 1? 60. 60 to 1. All right, I'll put a dime on him. All right. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, right as of right now, Bo Nix is, let's see, one, two, three, four. He's, he's in the top five. He's tied for the in the top five of preseason Heisman uh, uh, candidates just in terms of the odds in Vegas. And Vegas usually knows what they're, you know, talking about. And so, um, yeah, just interesting to see. And, uh, just, it, it's exciting, exciting time. And, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward very much to seeing Notre Dame, uh, that game is over in Ireland. Uh, and, and I'm sure that will be, uh, like a home game for the Irish, <laughs> right? Uh, it, that's at 1.30 Central. And um, Notre Dame entering its second season with Marcus Freeman as head coach. Uh, his first season, it was up and down. They had uh, some ugly losses to Marshall and to Stanford. But then they had that dominant victory over Clemson, uh, that exciting bowl win over South Carolina. And now they're going to have a, a much improved quarterback play with the addition of Wake Forest transfer Sam Hartman. I mean, think about it. Sam Hartman, this is going to be his final season of college football, but he's thrown for nearly 13,000 yards and 110 touchdowns. So he, uh, he has got some experience and, and again, and, and at, at Navy, we've talked about this. Uh, Brian Newberry, uh, is the new head coach. He spent the previous four seasons as Navy's defensive coordinator. Um, and Navy does have the majority of their defensive starters returning. And in, and what, uh, Brian Newberry has done is he brought in Grant Chestnut from, uh, Kennesaw State to be his offensive coordinator. Um, but, and it's still going to be an option attack, an, an option attack, but there's going to be a lot more passing plays uh in uh, in the play calling uh, so the midshipmen are going to put the ball in the air more than we have seen in seasons past but we'll we'll get into the uh rest of the game so the, the slate isn't isn't uh you know it, it's not what you'd call riveting but nonetheless we got college football tomorrow matt 
Yeah, we do. And we have some in state of the games that you were just looking at. You said there were seven FBS games, six or seven? Six, yep. Do they list Jacksonville State? No, nope, seven. Excuse me. Seven. seven. There, there is seven. And, um, and, uh, let's totally see. Yes, yes. Uh, so Jacksonville Jackson State, State. Yeah. So UTEP at Jacksonville State. Uh, which is on CBS Sports, uh, network. Yeah, Sports Network. Um, and that's at 430 Central. And, uh, Jacksonville State, as we know, is one of two teams to jump up from the FBS level this year, uh, is a member of Conference USA. And, uh, and I, I love the fact that Rich Rodriguez, he is entering his second season as the coach of the of the Gamecocks, and uh, this will be a good test for them. UTEP is uh, they've been twelve and thirteen over the past two seasons, and um, you know I think they are aiming to get to a bowl this year. But I, I'm just excited to see one. I'm just excited to see actual college football being played. But I am I am pumped for this uh, Jacksonville State team. Because you and I both, you and I both love Rich Rod, and uh, he's one of the, the the best characters in my view in all of college football. I know he got in some trouble at Arizona, some indiscretions, um, but this is uh, I would guess that this is most likely his last stop. And and Matt, he he is all in at Jacksonville State. Oh yeah, I talked to Tuffy Crow, and he said you ought to just see him in practice. He's the most active coach he's ever seen, and that's the guy that coached with Jimmy Fuller. So, Lars, never in my life have I entered a show, and that's 50-plus years of broadcasting experience, more handicapped than I am right now. And I'll explain that because I'm going to throw myself a little pity party on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very hot afternoon, partly sunny, a few isolated showers or storms possible through the evening hours. The high today, 99, the low tonight, 73. Tomorrow morning, sunshine, a few isolated storms by afternoon, the high at 97. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 97 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, welcome to the program. Glad you're with us. Signing Sports. It's Curtis Lars. Justin Jones is our producer. I'm Matt Goldberg. Lars uh, and Justin, just real quick question. Around 3 or 4 o'clock this morning, did y'all lose power? Uh, no. I did All not. Right. Justin, when you woke up, were your clocks all messed up? Sorry, no, yeah. mine were uh, were not either. I, or even if they were, I think I might have slept through it. <laughs> well, power went out here, and I noticed it because after about 30 minutes, it, it was hot, you know? I mean, you've got to keep your air conditioner on almost constantly. Um, and you know what? That, that happened. Uh, and then they sent out emails, and they said that they were making some repairs in the area, all that kind of stuff. So that's fine. It just came on about 45 minutes after it went off. And that's all well and good. But this morning I get up, I got no Wi-Fi, I reboot it, I reshoot it, I do everything I possibly can. And 
I'm just explaining how much we lean on on the internet services, on Wi-Fi. Because then I start talking to Alexa. Do you have those little boxes in your house where you can say, hey, Alexa, turn on Tide 100.9 and it comes on? I have a couple of those. Well, they don't work because they don't have Wi-Fi. I can't even catch up. I don't know who won the Mountain Brook Vestavia game. All right? Would somebody please call <laughs> us and let us know? Vestavia spanked Mountain Brook. That ends a six-game win streak. So, uh, yeah, and uh, nothing I, against Mountain Brook, but I'm, ha- I'm I, happy to hear that. They need I to am, uh, yeah, at, at 1230, we're going to be talking to Ben Thomas uh, from AL.com who covers high school football. And I, I really want to ask him about that game and the significance of it. Um, because, uh, as, as you know, uh, I, I live close to Vestavia High School and, um, and, and. You can I, hear I'm, the games from your house. I can, I can hear, I can hear the band play on, on Friday nights, yes, uh, from my, from my house. And, you know, speaking of power, they're doing something really, uh, unique in my neighborhood. Apparently, uh, the neighborhood I live in, loses power more frequently than any other neighborhood in Vestavia. And so uh, they are uh, the power company, uh, and they had to contract this out. And it's all guys from Georgia who are traveling over here every week and working Monday through Thursday in this heat and then staying in hotels. But they are uh, taking – all the power is going to be underground. And so this is a massive project. And as of right now, I, I have about probably 5,000 pounds of machinery in my front yard. And they have just absolutely destroyed my front yard. It's really not the, the, these guys fault. Um, and I, I have subsequently learned that, uh, from the middle of the street to 25 feet, uh, if you measure 25 feet onto your property, uh, yeah. that's, that's essentially the city's property. And yeah, it's an easy. Yeah, so yes, and, and they can do whatever they want. But the good thing is, once they're done, and they've already been doing this for, I don't know if anybody finds this interesting, they've been here about a month and a half, and I'm the We've third heard house. a lot. We hear I'm, them all the time. I, I have, uh, I'm the third house that they're doing and there are going to be 180 that they have to total get to get to. This is going to be like a two and a half year project, just like on in, in my, in my hood here. And, uh, but uh, it'll be great because once the, the power is underground, that should eliminate all power outages. And it seems like you have your neighborhood, Matt, has really been suffering from power outages this summer. And I'm not, I don't know if it's the uh, probably it's a probably a combination of things, but the heat is probably first and foremost. Yeah, and I, I have no doubt. I think, you know, the heat probably put so much stress on it. That's why they probably had to make some adjustments around here. And I don't know how much of the state is affected by this, but um, it does handicap me. Getting back to what I was talking about, it's like getting up in the morning and being in the broadcast business, and there's no newspaper in your front yard. And then you go to work, and the AP and the UPI machines have gone down. And you just sit here, 
at your computer staring at the screen that won't work. Fortunately, I have cellular service. That literally is it. Now, I can watch SpongeBob SquarePants. That's what's on television right now. But <laughs> my point is how, how dependent we are. And uh, like I said, you told me, I didn't know the high school score. I don't know what's above the fold, Lars. You're going to have to catch me up. What's going on in the world of sports today? <laughs> what is going on in the world of sports today? Well, um, yeah, like I said, the, the, the highs, the, uh, Caleb Williams is the, is the betting favorite. Um, uh, former WWE champ Bray Wyatt, uh, died at age 36, which is, uh, really sad news. Wow. He, he had contracted, uh, uh, COVID. And, uh, it looked like he was doing better and, uh, apparently it caused some, some heart issues. And, uh, and, uh, that's a, it's a, it's a really sad story. And, you know, I don't really follow WWE very much, but, uh, but, but Bray Wyatt, he was known as just one of the most creative minds in, in professional wrestling and, and he kind of pushed the boundaries with different innovative characters and, um, it's just, uh, really sad. His, his real name is, uh, Wyndham Rotunda. That, that, that's an Why interesting didn't he name. use that? I know, I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's been inactive for the past, uh, several months, uh, while dealing with, uh, what was a, then an undisclosed health issue. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's really sad that, uh, that he lost his life and, you know, he, he came from a wrestling family. Uh, his father, Mike, uh, he gained fame in WWE as Erwin, Erwin R. Scheister, uh, which is another oh, great, a good, a good name. And, uh, and he, uh, he was married to a former WWE ring announcer, Jojo Offerman. They had two children and he had two other children from a previous marriage and, uh, is a former WWE champion and a WWE Universal champion. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh really sad and has really, uh, rocked the world of, uh, WWE. And that has been a big story. And, uh, last night in, uh, NFL preseason, um, I got a chance to watch the Steelers, uh, going against, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Steelers decided to play their ones, the, the, their first string. The Falcons did not. But I'll tell you, even though the Steelers were going against the twos of Atlanta, Pickett looked great. Kenny Pickett looked like he has uh, taken a huge step forward uh, and was just extremely accurate, uh, drove the ball down the field. And I tell you, a, 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 a player who is going to have a breakout year, in my estimation, is George Pickens, right? And we all know about George Pickens. He went to Hoover High School. Um, it was uh, surprising that uh, he ended up going to Georgia, had an injury. The Steelers were able just to steal him in the, in the second round. 
And and so far this preseason, he has just uh, been basically uncoverable uh, because he's you know he reminds me a little of T Higgins of Cincinnati because he's so tall and lanky and can jump and he's fast. I mean, uh, Kenny Pickett and George Pickens, uh, I think, really could create uh, some. Really create some havoc for, uh, other teams. But, you know, it's always, the question always becomes, how much stock do we put in preseason performance? Especially when a team's first string is going against Atlanta's second string. You know, uh, and so you kind of have to take it, I guess, with a little bit of grain of salt, but nonetheless, uh, Pittsburgh just couldn't have been more impressive. And I, and I think the final score was 24 to zero. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, give, give Pittsburgh credit. Uh, they win the month of August, right? <laughs> in, in my estimation. And, uh, I know like the, the Bengals, you know, the team that I love, uh, they're, they're not playing any of their starters and they just played their defensive starters for one series, uh, this preseason. And otherwise, uh, none of their starters have played and they're not going to play, um, uh, to, I think they play tomorrow, but, um, you know, it's just every coach has a different philosophy. I mean, it's interesting to me that, that Patrick Mahomes is getting reps. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing in the uh, first preseason game uh, since 2018 um, uh, because uh, they just, it, 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 I think the, the, the coaches just want to make sure that he's got this chemistry going with uh with his receivers once the action is live but but you know what they're going to do with Aaron Rodgers they're just going to get the ball out of his hand as quick as possible right he will not i can almost guarantee you he will not take a hit and he's smart enough not to take a hit and meanwhile Kenny Pickens can't make it Kenny Pickens got too small we all know that shouldn't have ever even been trapped that's right. That's why, that's why he wears gloves on both hands. Does he wear one of those big mitts like baseball players do when they steal bases? And <laughs> their so. fingers about two feet, about yep. two inches. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, Ben Thomas, longtime sports writer in the state of Alabama from AL.com, who uh, really focuses in on high school football, which begins tonight, although it was a game last night, a couple of games last night. He's going to join us from AL.com on the other side of the break. Listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. To the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Many of our interviews are sponsored by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Volker at Vantage Group. We appreciate that. Matt, Lars, Justin, the gang is here for Big Noon Sports. We're now joined by AL.com sports writer, Ben Thomas. Ben, Matt, and Lars, how have you been? I've been good. How you guys been? I've been hot, but everybody's been hot uh, this time of year, right? <laughs> yeah, did you, did you go to Vestavia Mountain Brook last night? 
No, I didn't. We had somebody there, but I actually live on the Gulf Coast, so I went to uh, Gulf Shores in St. Michael uh, and saw that game. And for the first time in 30-something years of covering high school football, I got run over. Uh, I, I think it might be time to hang it up. <laughs> Oddly enough, Lars and I were talking about that last week and if it ever happened. And I kind of got rolled up once, not bad. I don't think Lars, Lars is too quick. He's too fast. But uh, I know we're, we're going to talk about high school football, but you got to give us the details, man. What happened? Well, I mean, the shameful thing is, I hate to admit, it was a, it was pregame. Uh, I was, uh, you know, obviously Phillip Rivers is the coach at St. Michael now, NFL, uh, possibly future NFL Hall of Famer. Um, and I was kind of in the middle of the field. Uh, he was actually talking to Brian Van Gorder, who you guys will probably know, former Auburn, D.C. Uh, D.C. at a lot of different places. He's now the Gulf Shores defensive coordinator, Gulf Shores High School. And uh, I had taken a picture of them, and I was about to tweet it out. And I was facing Gulf Shores. They were warming up, so I knew I had no problem there. And St. Michael was behind me, and they weren't close to me. Uh, but unbeknownst to me, they started practicing punt return. Uh, while I was looking at my phone. And so I had my back to him. A young man was running back. He was tracking the ball. He had his back to me, and uh, I got walloped right, right at midfield. Uh, I was about five feet from Rivers, Phillip Rivers, and uh, he, he kind of went, well, what? And it was too late. I was uh, I was busted on the ground. But I, I, I successfully jumped up just a little bit embarrassed. Uh, and then every play that came on, I usually walk on the sidelines during the game. And every play that came my way, I was about 20 feet back <laughs> this time. I can't take many more of those hits, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's tough. That is tough. Um, the, the general rule is, uh, you know, when you're at the ocean, never turn your back to the ocean, right? And, uh, when, when you're at a football game, never turn your back to the action. But I know was, you, you didn't know that that was going on. Um, yeah, let's stick with Philip Rivers for a second. What, what is your assessment of, uh, of Philip Rivers as a high school coach? He's good. I mean, he's, he's taken over. You got to remember, he's taken over a program that was very young. They'd only played for, I think, four years before he came in. And uh, obviously, he played his high school football at Athens. He's now on the opposite end of the state. Uh, it's a Catholic school. And obviously, he's a Catholic family getting ready to have his 10th kid, by the way, in, uh, in November or October or November. I can't remember which. But um, he is. Uh, what you've seen on the sidelines for 18 or on in the NFL game and on the sidelines for 18 years is what you see what you would see if you came to a high school game he is he is as competitive as anybody I've ever seen he's on the officials and on the players from from kickoff to final gun and then he turns it off and he's like yeah how you doing what do you want to know you know that type thing but I think he's very smart his his oldest son he's only got he's about to have his third son the other seven are girls uh, wow! The yeah, how about that? Uh, he's the quarterback, but he's only a freshman. Gunner Rivers is his name, and you would, if you saw him, you would you would look at him and think, man, he throws the ball just like Philip Rivers. He wears number seventeen, uh, has that similar throwing motion, and they threw it. They got down big last night, lost big, and they still threw it fifty-five times. So that tells you a little bit about um, what they like to run. Although they like to run the ball too, but. Uh, he's a good coach, and I think he's going to get them in the – they're a 4A team, and I think in their region they'll be very competitive. Uh, Gulf Shores just had too many athletes for them. But 
he he knows what he's doing. I mean, it's not this is not some publicity stunt. You know, his dad was a high school coach. He was on the sideline last night. His brother is on his staff. It's kind of a family deal, and uh, he's in it for the long haul. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I wanted to follow up with that. Is there any possibility that Philip Rivers eventually pulls a, a Trent Dilfer and, and moves up to the collegiate level? Or uh, I think Philip Rivers probably in a different situation because family is so important to him and he is so uh, tied to that community. But do you think it's possible that Philip one day would uh, would would look around or or listen to offers from colleges? I never say never, right? But I mean, he's I think it's actually been his dream after NFL to to be a high school football coach to have the same impact to be able to coach his sons just like his dad coached him and to be able to have that impact on on the other kids the other student athletes he coaches um you know he said when he first took this job which was kind of out of nowhere you know he, he, one summer he did a camp down here and we're like wow what's philip rivers doing a, a football camp down here for well it turns out that he had kind of gotten to know this little school that had just started up and uh you know, when he retired, people said, well, he'll go into a, the announced booth maybe. And he said there was some thought about that. But he said, look, I just I can't do something where I don't have any effect on the scoreboard. And you can see you can tell that if he's on the sideline, he, he wants to win. And, uh, I, you know, he could go to college. I, I don't he's never talked about that being his goal. Uh, I think right now he's happy doing what he's doing. I tell you one one funny story about him. He has his youngest son played in the flag football league with my son. And I saw him there one day, and he was uh, his team wasn't even playing. And I'm like, "What are you doing?" And he said, "Oh, we're getting ready to play this team coming up on Saturday." I'm like, "Are you scouting eight year old flag football?" And that's what he was doing. He was like seeing what they were going to run, so he, you know, he could be ready for it on Saturday. So, a uh, really good guy that that probably needs to maybe even tone it down a little bit on the sideline in high school football. But it's, it's been fun watching him and, and getting to know him a little bit. Ben Thomas from AL.com is with us on Big Men Sports. Ben, we, our flagship station, we stream all over the world. I guess you can technically say that. Uh, we've got Station Annis and Gadsden. Uh, our flagship station's in Tuscaloosa, though. So I wanted to see if you could shine a little light on maybe a couple of games worth taking in tonight in that area of those regions. Um, yeah, man, I'll have to look those up. I mean, obviously, you know, there's some big games I know, I around. I curveball. <laughs> No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, you know, we'll start off with two of the big games in, in the Birmingham area that I think will be of interest to Tuscaloosa. I mean, four 7A powers, really five if you count Thompson, um, playing tonight. Thompson and Opelika in that kickoff classic game in Montgomery uh, at 8 o'clock. Auburn and Hoover, two semifinalists uh, playing in Hoover. And then obviously Central Phoenix City. Uh, and Hewitt Trustful playing. I think Central Phoenix City is going to be really loaded this year. You know, the team I like, there's a couple of teams I like in the Tuscaloosa area. One is Hillcrest Tuscaloosa. Uh, you know, they've been very good in the last couple of years. Uh, their, their star quarterback, he's in Crawford, who went to Southern Miss, got hurt late last year, and they ended up losing to Fairland, who went on to state championship. Um, they're going to be good again. I mean, Jamie Mitchell's done a great job down there. I think they open it with South Haven, Mississippi, and then they play at Pike Road next week. So uh, I've got my, my schedule says that South Haven game's on Saturday, uh, so that might not even be tonight. And then, you know, I like what what Adam Weingarten is doing at Tuscaloosa County. They've got 
one of the best, if not the best, running backs in the state, and Kevin Riley, who's committed to Miami, kind of doesn't get a lot of attention because, you know, he's playing in that same region with Thompson and Hoover and Hewitt Trustful and all those guys. But this guy, if you get a chance to watch him run, watch him run. They play at Central tonight, which is a big big rivalry, Central Tuscaloosa. So it'll be – I'm interested to see what Kevin – Kevin Riley does for Adam Weingarten's team. And, and, you know, can they? They had kind of a – they bounced back a little bit last year. They've kind of been a little bit down uh, from what we traditionally know Tuscaloosa County to be. They Last year they went 6-4. and four, But it's hard to get in the playoffs in that region up there, guys. Uh, but I think Adam Weingarten's doing a good job. I wonder if they might could break through and maybe get that four spot in Region 3 and 7 eight. Great stuff. Uh, ben, can you hang around? We haven't gotten uh, to a couple more questions we'd like to pose to you. Could you please hang on? Sure. Okay. Uh, we'll go to the top of the hour or a couple of minutes before with Ben Thomas from AL.com to continue to listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Tensing, even on board. Dead battery. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very hot afternoon, partly sunny, a few isolated showers for storms possible through the evening hours. The high today, 99, the low tonight, 73. Tomorrow morning, sunshine, a few isolated storms by afternoon, the high at 97. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 98 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Indeed it is. Our guest is Ben Thomas from AL.com. Ben, we'll get back to some questions about high school football, but uh, you've been a 30-year sports writer. Can you just give us a brief history of, uh, of Ben Thomas? Yes. Uh, it, it almost came to a brief history last night in that football field when I got run over. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up in uh, I grew up around Georgia and Atlanta area, Stone Mountain. Um, came to college in, in Alabama. Uh, ended up, my first job was working for the great Jimmy Smothers in Gadsden, Alabama. In fact, I worked there twice uh, in the 90s. Uh, oh, yeah, Hall of Fame sports writer taught me so much about, uh, you know, even even what I do to this day. And then uh, moved down to Montgomery, um, was there for eight years at the Montgomery Advertiser. You know, guys, back when we had newspapers, <laughs> now they're... Uh, they're kind of going a different way, but uh, I had the privilege of being sports editor there for a couple of years late in my tenure. And then I came down to Mobile uh, to work for Randy Kennedy. I kind of, it was one of those situations where uh, I had a, in, in Montgomery, my staff was shrinking and my blood pressure was rising and I felt like I needed a change. So I came down to 
Mobile and was just a kind of a, a copy editor, basically sports copy editor for a couple of years. Then when AL, when uh, you know our papers in Birmingham and Mobile and Huntsville made the big change to go more online and and go to three days a week, um, I was they moved me to the high school beat, which that was 2013, which um, I was thrilled with. I mean, I'd done that before, you know, kind of grew up doing that, and Gadsden especially. Um, and, you know, it's as much as I love college football and love to uh, watch college football, you know, the high school beat offers a lot of different things. I mean, you can uh, you, you very rarely have to have permission to go talk to some <laughs> talk to people. You know, for the most part, you can go to any school in the state. and They're happy to see you and, and welcome you and give you anything you want. Whereas obviously on the college level at Alabama and Auburn, so much more guarded uh, about the stories you can do and stuff. So. It's been a blessing. Um, like I said, I'm 55 now and, and love what I do, love the people I work for, and um, hopefully I'm, I'm doing a decent job at it. You are. Ben, ben I, 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 yeah, you're, you're a terrific, terrific job. Um, ben, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to ask you a three-part question. <laughs> but oh, I'll better and I'll have I better to start writing those down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number Thompson. Uh, Thompson High School. They've, uh, won four straight Class 7A state titles. Okay. One, how has this dynasty happened? Uh, two, uh, what's the outlook for them this year? And then three, can you t- just tell us a little bit about Trent Seaborn, who already has an offer from Alabama and Auburn, and and uh, he's just you know starting the ninth grade. It, it's really incredible. Uh, yeah, I'll take the last part first. You may have to remind me of that. Trent Trent Seaborn is a young freshman who um, got some playing time last year, um, but did not really start until the playoffs. Uh, Zach Sims, who's still at Thompson, by the way, they, they, Coach Freeman says he's going to play both those guys, was the starter, had an injury late. They got beat by Hoover in the regular season, and they started started Trent in the playoffs, and um, they caught fire again. You know, they went. People forget that Thompson went lost three regular season games last year, which in the last five or six years has been un, unheard of. But uh, Trent got them back on track. Uh, they beat Hoover in the rematch in the semifinals and then went on to really – beat Auburn bad in the championship game in which Trent was MVP through five touchdown passes in that game. He is, I think he's now over six feet. Uh, that was kind of a question about how tall he might get. Very smart guy for his age. I talked to him this this month, or uh, this year, uh, summer at a seven on seven, talked to his dad. I asked him kind of how he's handling the attention. And then he said, you know, well, one thing, my dad handles all my social media, which is probably a novel concept for a young man that age but very smart kid you got to be to be in that mark freeman offense uh and to know all he's running because he's just he sometimes is i think drawing up plays in the dirt on the sideline so uh really good player anxious to see what he does in the next couple of years i think he's really going to be good um at how they've done it mark freeman i mean it's all it all starts with him he was down here at spanish sports uh for a couple of years won two state titles at spanish fort he is an offensive guru um, I mean, literally, I've had people that work for him, offensive coaches, tell me it was almost frustrating because he would uh, ha- hand them a sheet of loose-leaf paper with a play on it on a Friday afternoon. And they say, yeah, that looks good. You want to put that in next week? They said, no, we're going we to run that tonight. Uh, and it would be something they would run and they'd score a touchdown. I mean, he's just uh, he just 
offensively very skilled, and obviously they've had a lot of good players. I mean, um, Jeremiah Alexander, now at Alabama, Peter Woods, um, best player in the state probably last year was great. This year's team, to get back to, I think, the first part of your question, I mean, obviously they're going to be, they're the team to beat until they're beat. Uh, especially when you get the playoffs. They still have some star power, but maybe not as much as they've had in, in recent years, but they're going to be good again. Anquan Fagans is a guy to watch there. He's committed to Southern Cal right now because that's where his brother transferred to when he left Alabama. We'll see if he ends up going there. I think he had nine interceptions last year or something like that, guys. But they'll be good again. I do think they'll Whoa. get a test from Central Phoenix City. Um and some other teams, Central Phoenix City particularly, but uh, I, you know they're the, they're the favorite until somebody tells me otherwise. Ben, I've been doing high school football for a, for a little group uh, Adam stopped on called the River Sports Network for five or six years now, so I'm 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 in the loop, and I've just noticed an increase of transfers, and suddenly a guy from Gunnersville, and I'm saying the city, not the high school, just that region, will end up. 100 miles away or something like that. Um, how does that work? It, do you notice it happening frequently? Oh, goodness. I, I don't know if we have enough time in this segment to uh, get into that. Alvin Briggs actually got on me a couple of weeks ago because I used the word, quote, high school, or the phrase, quote, high school transfer portal, end quote, in one of my uh, in one of my tweets. But, it, yeah, it's been all the rage really around the state, but certainly down here in, in my neck of the woods where I where I preside mostly. People talk about it all the time. It just seems like, it, I think it's, we, you know, what we don't understand, guys, is, is you know, at, at our age, and I'm 55, and I don't know how where you guys are probably somewhere in that range, but you grew up yeah. kind of wanting to play for, you know, your your school, wherever you grew up. I mean, I, I grew up in Clarkston and outside of Georgia, and we grew up wanting to be fighting Angoras. Don't laugh at the mascot. That's just what we recall. But now it's much more of, where can I go? Um, you know, what? who are the best teams? And, and Trent is just – we, we live in a much more transient world, I guess, than uh, we ever have. It's not just high school sports. It's job-wise. You know, there's people are always looking for the greener, you know, greener pasture. And certainly NIL doesn't help. The college transfer portal doesn't help this because all that eventually seeps down to the high school level. But, I mean, I was at Gulf Shores last night. They had a young man playing linebacker that transferred from Oxford two weeks ago. Um, wow. You know, and how it works. Yeah. I mean, and how it works is, um, you know, I let, you know, if you make a bona fide move, if you, can, you, you prove you can make a bona fide move into another area, you can be eligible. And so uh, it's, you know, people accuse different people, different schools of doing this and that. And I think some of it is people want to go play for the best programs. If their if their team's struggling, they want to play somewhere else. But now I think we're getting into the area where people are seeing, hey, I, if I can't make money nil money in high school, which I might be able to someday, I better I better enhance my quote brand so I can start making money when I get to college level. So it, there's a lot of factors to it, but. It's all over the place, guys. I've said for a long time, if I did a, a map from where guys were from last fall to this fall, it'd be like, it'd be like a road map. It'd be roads going all over the place. Um, it's just the world we live in right now. Yeah, and you're right. We could go on a deep dive here, and I'm not even going to get into the situation that the state of Missouri did but because we really don't have time. I'll wrap it up with one question, Ben, and that's Rush Probst at Bell City. 
that's a once very storied football program, and it has been on some lean, lean time. Is he the answer for the Panthers? Well, I, mean, I think it depends on how long he's there. Um, I, I wrote a column about him today. Pell City is, is uh, I'm close to that program because my dad played there. In fact, my dad may be, we think he may be the oldest living Pell City football player at, at 91 years old. Um, so I got a lot of family in that area. It'd be nice to see him come back to prominence. And if anybody can do it, it's probably Rush. They play at Moody tonight. Um, you know, I don't, they're a heavy underdog there. Whatever happens, guys, like I wrote my column, with Rush Probst, it'll be intriguing, right? Whether they're zero wins or five wins or ten or they win the state championship, something's going to happen that's going to be newsworthy. Can I ask you just real quick yeah. as, a, as a follow-up? Uh, why do you think Rush came back to the state of Alabama? Money. Well, I mean, you know, the last two jobs he had in Georgia didn't work out very well is the short answer of that. I mean, you know, at the end of it, at least, I mean, he won several state championships at Colquitt County. Then he spent one year at Valdosta, um, and they, you know, they removed him there, and so he, he didn't have a job. And so he came back to Alabama. He's actually been in Alabama, back in Alabama a couple of years. His son played at Piedmont. Uh, for Steve Smith, so he was up there just being being a dad, um, and then you know briefly got a job as the associate head coach at Cusa Christian in the Gadsden area before Steve Mass left Bell City, uh, and he got that job. Bill Clark, by the way, helped him get that job at Bell City. I think Bill lives down there uh, now. So uh, this means a lot to him. I mean, he's told me that multiple times. It means a lot to him to try and get the Bell City program turned around, but it, you know it's probably going to take a year or two at least as we wrap up you just mentioned one of my favorite schools venues and atmosphere bucket list for high school football fans go to a piedmont game uh as we wrap up ben what are a couple of other places people really need to go to oh man it depends on what you're looking for um by the way tonight on on national tv espn primetime seven o'clock Stairland hosting Tuscaloosa uh, Lipscomb Academy. So if you're not doing anything like tune in to see Alabama commit Ryan Williams uh, in action. You know, I always say up Highway 43, Jackson, Sweetwater, Thomasville, Leroy, uh, up into Cab County. I like I like guys, I like to go places where they shut down the town at 5 o'clock. And you, yeah. go, you drive through downtown and it says, Go Aggies uh, on the drugstore and stuff. And, and in pl- rural places like that, is where to me high school football is most meaningful. All right, I promise. One more. That's all. Lipscomb is that playing Saraland? Is that the Lipscomb that Trent Dilfer was at last year? Lipscomb came down and played. Yeah, they're out of Tennessee. Trent Dilfer's there now. Kevin Mawai, the NFL Hall of Famer, is their head coach. They just got a transfer quarterback, Deuce Knight, highly regarded junior. Um, and of course, Ryan Williams. If you not, have not seen Ryan Williams play, you need to be watching ESPN tonight at seven o'clock. I'll just, I'll just tell you that. AL.com's own Ben Thomas. We're going to do this again real soon. Thank you. I know I got in touch with you short notice, and and you, uh, you jumped on board. We appreciate that. No problem. Good. God bless, guys, and have a good weekend. Thank you so much. Yes. Great stuff. Great insight. Yeah. Nah, that's probably something we ought to do every other week, not every week. Uh, top of the hour on Big Nun Sports. Back after halftime. Owner of r 
Cigars Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. What may it be? You could forget about it. Touchdown, Alabama. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Justin Jones, the one and only golfer and linebacker. This is the fine show. Lars Anderson, I'm Matt Colter. Joined by longtime friend, longtime writer, Hall of Fame basketball writer. I bet you don't get tired of hearing that. Kevin Skarbinski, how are you, man? I'm good, fellas. How are you today? Uh, hot like everybody else. What are we going to do? Sit here and talk about it? Uh, doesn't do any good. <laughs> uh, Kevin, uh, we'll get into detail on some specific topics, but you're a part of AL.com's lead, and take the opportunity to explain that to people. Okay. Uh, uh, Well, the lead is a new publication, relatively new, I guess about two years old or so now. It is, think of it as, rather than getting a rolled up newspaper tossed into your driveway, it's uh, a rolled up newspaper tossed into your email inbox. It was designed for people who appreciated newspapers, uh, reading them daily on a variety of subjects. And that's what the lead brings you. It brings you news, politics, entertainment, sports, religion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, by a variety of talented journalists. And, and I write, uh, twice a week for them. Well, it's kind of, well, it's, that's changed a little bit. I have a Sunday column that uh, still appears in the lead and obviously will focus on big college football games every weekend during the season. And then I also now write a newsletter, which is a little bit different. It allows me to touch on a variety of subjects rather than a typical single subject column. And you can subscribe to the newsletter. And if you subscribe to the newsletter, you also get all the columns I write for the lead. So it's just uh, di- different, again, different um, products from AL.com, from the advanced media group, if you will, and trying to give readers uh, a, a number of choices on what they can read to keep up with what's going on in Birmingham, in the state, and around the region and country. Kevin, um, we had talked uh, right after uh, it was announced that you were going to be inducted into the U.S. Basketball Writers Association Hall of Fame. And uh, again, major congratulations on that. And you went in with uh, just uh, some absolute titans of the business. Uh, one one of my good buddies, Seth Davis, uh, worked with him forever mm-hmm. at Sports Illustrated. And I texted him after when he when the announcement was made, and he's he was very humble, and he said, "Ah, it just means we're all getting old." Uh, and <laughs> and, uh, and also, you went in with uh, my real good buddy Grant Wall, who uh, tragically lost his life. Uh, 
due to a, a medical condition when he was covering the World Cup. But um, it, it, it really struck me as I started thinking about how you made it into the Basketball Hall of Fame while uh, the Writers Basketball Hall of Fame while being in a football obsessed state. <laughs> it, it just uh, it, it seems uh, quite unlikely. Can you just tell us what the event was like uh, when you were in? Uh, I think it was in Dallas, correct? Uh, in, in Houston, in, Houston at the oh, Final Four. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. it was in Houston. My bad. Um, just just reflect on your career covering basketball, and and I, I know you're too humble to say this, but like, what what do you think caused or, or what 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 prompted uh, this uh, immense honor? Well, the weekend itself was so memorable. You know, I wish my entire family had been able to be with me, but my younger son was playing in the Jefferson County High School Tennis Tournament at the same time. So he and my wife, my wife stayed with him, but my older son uh, he flew flew in from Gainesville where he's in college and and so he and I were able to spend the weekend together and and that's I've covered a lot of final fours but that's the first one I ever attended really kind of as a fan had tickets sat in the stands enjoyed the atmosphere and and it, and witnessed the first true buzzer beater win or lose based on the last shot in the first semifinal which was just incredible the atmosphere was was amazing but the event itself, it was a luncheon on Monday, the day of the championship game. And to see people that I've known through the years that have, you know, I've learned from, admired their work to, you know, see Dick Weiss, Hoops, his nickname is Hoops. I've known him forever. Um, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News, I, I have, I have a very strong suspicion. He won't quite admit it, but he had a lot to do with this, with, uh, pushing my candidacy. And he told, uh, I mean, it's just a very humbling story just just to me and my son about why he believed I, I was worthy of being in the Hall of Fame, as he is, of course, and as Hoops Weiss is. And and, and it just, it really, uh, I mean, it was just an emotional time to be there. And then to meet Bob Ryan, who I'd never met before, and introduce him to my son. And so many other people. I, I met uh, Grant Wall's wife, um Dr. Celine and, and his brother. And I'd never met Seth before. Uh, so that was interesting. Got to meet him. And Leslie Visser was also in the class. You talk about titans of the industry. She certainly deserves that title. So it was, it was just awesome for me personally. I went way over the allotted five minutes in my acceptance speech. Uh, I, it didn't seem that long to me. I hope it didn't seem that long to everyone else, but. But Luke DeCock, uh, who's the president or was the president last year of the United States Basketball Writers Association, he and Malcolm Moran, who's been uh, instrumental in that organization through the years, uh, they're the ones who called me and, and talk, you know, let me know that I had been inducted in January and I had to keep it quiet until they made their official announcement. But they, they said that, you know, be, elevating the sport of basketball over a long period of time in a football state where basketball has been very successful, uh, maybe not as consistently as everyone would like at every school, but has, has racked up a pretty significant list of achievements uh, from Alabama to Auburn to UAB to South Alabama 
Detroit, scoring 258 points in a game to set a record. I mean, you name it. I mean, there's so many. I've, I've covered almost every Division One school in the state uh, in the NCAA tournament at one time or another, with one or two exceptions, I believe. So it's, you know, basketball has been underappreciated here and maybe underloved, uh, but not by me. It's always been my favorite sport, and and so I embraced it immediately, and that's why I was able to develop relationships with guys like Wimp Sanderson and Sonny Smith and Gene Barto and Leon Douglas, and, you know, I could go on and on and on. But uh, I think they appreciated the fact that I appreciated basketball, and I wasn't uh, what, what they might consider a, another helmet head who was covering basketball out of as a requirement, not as as something that uh, as a, as a uh, thoroughly enjoyable experience. So uh, it just again, it's still awesome. It's still it, I still have to pinch myself um, when I when I see that plaque uh, behind my desk and just think back to that weekend. And and again, being in that company of so many distinguished journalists who have made their marks nationally. Uh, as it was again, it was humbling and it was exciting and it was a, a weekend I will never forget. Uh, I think this helped you because the three guys you just mentioned, Kevin, you and I were very, very blessed to have covered basketball in this state in the '80s, and I can remember the the budget strain that those guys would put on us because how do we send somebody with every team? Because every year Alabama. Auburn, UAB would make it. Uh, and because of those three men. Uh, turn the clock back a little bit on that. And, uh, man, that was fun, wasn't it? It was. And, and yes, you're right, Matt. I certainly came along at the right time. My, fir- my first season as a writer at the Birmingham News, I was the Auburn beat writer. And that season, Auburn got to the Elite Eight. They beat... Uh, number one seed St. John's and Walter Berry in the second round. They beat UNLV and Sydney Green, I think it was, in the in the Sweet 16. And then they played Louisville and never nervous Purvis Ellison in the regional final in Houston. And the game was tied with about three minutes left. So they were they were on the cusp of going to the final four. And that was the first basketball season I covered as a journalist. So it was it was a pretty special time. And as you said, Alabama was going to the tournament every year. UAB was going to the tournament every year. There were there were great storylines. There were great athletes. There were recruiting battles. There was, you know, there was intrigue. There were great personalities. I mean, just uh, all-time personalities uh, in those three men, just, just to name them, because they were kind of the leaders of building up the sport in this state during the 80s. And... It was it was a special time, and I'm forever grateful to the Birmingham News because we covered every game home and away. Uh, I covered Auburn. I covered Auburn's first game that season, which was in Hartford, Connecticut. They played in the preseason NIT. Uh, if you remember that event, they played West Virginia in Hartford, Connecticut. Got beat badly, and I was able to because I had extra time on my hands before I, my return flight home. I covered the Harvard-Yale football game at the Yale Bowl, which was a, a, another unforgettable experience in and of itself uh, that that weekend. So yeah, it was a great time to be. It was a great time to be a young journalist. It was a great time to be a young journalist who especially loves the sport of basketball. Well, and you elevated your game. 
Hey, can you hang on? Let, let, let's take you through the break and uh, maybe talk college football. We'll put our helmets on for a little while. You're listening to Big Ten Sports, presented by Haley Sampson, Union Home Warriors. Raise it uh, with you, Freeze, uh, and, and that offensive coaching staff because of Freeze's track record on that side of the ball at that position. What I'm really interested to see, and I think this is where Auburn has an advantage if they if they use it properly in in Robbie Ashford. And it was interesting to note that you, Freeze, said on the first Tiger Talk of the season that Robbie Ashford has had his best practices since it was announced that Thorne was the starter and, and Robbie would be the backup. I thought that was, that was telling if he, if he's not just spinning things in a, in a positive fashion, if that's actually true. And from what I know of Robbie Ashford from the people I know at Hoover, it, that's what I would expect that, that Robbie is going to make the most of his situation and he's a weapon. He's a guy you got to get on the field. Uh, he's a guy you got to put the ball in his hands. We, we saw his speed last year. What he can do in the open field, how he can make people miss, how he can turn a corner. And having him as a wild card, if he plays, he might play running back at times. He could play wide receiver. He's, he could be a wildcat quarterback. There's any number of ways you can use him. And I think you Freeze is, is pretty adept at doing things like that. So that's the fascinating thing to me is to see what kind of production they get out of their offense uh, because they've been pretty anemic of uh, for a couple of years now, very sporadic, too many turnovers, not enough big plays, uh, whole, you know, offensive line, uh, you know, with far too many holes. That supposedly is much improved through their work in the transfer portal. So, can they be competitive? Look, Auburn. I, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, given what we saw in 1993 and 2013, and you know, first year Auburn coaches have a tendency to surprise us and and, and shock us in some cases. Yeah really, as Terry Bowden and Gus Malzahn did. So maybe I shouldn't say I would be shocked if they did that again or anything similar to that. But really, the next step for Auburn is be competitive. Be competitive against Alabama. Be competitive, and, and they were two years, shockingly, two years ago in, in Jordan-Hare when they went to overtime. Really should have won the game. They let that one get away. But uh, And then Bryce Young happened, as he did on many occasions. But uh, just can they be competitive? And, and really, not so much with Alabama with Georgia because Georgia has complete since that 2017 game in Jordan Hare when Jared Stidham stood out and carry on Johnson and and Auburn beat number one Georgia uh, preceding their victory over number one Alabama uh, they have not been competitive with Georgia they're not just losing to Georgia they're getting outclassed outmanned outphysicaled out everything uh, by their other closest rival across the other state line so it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to me, and they, and they have a, they have they have a month to prepare. That's the last Saturday in September when Georgia goes to Auburn. So that'll be that'll be a good sign, I think, of how much progress they've made and how much progress they still have to make to get back to where they would expect to be. All right, Kevin, going to put you on the spot. Uh, what four teams, uh, as we sit here in uh, late August, uh, what four teams are going to make the college football playoff? <laughs> You know, I haven't really, I, I, I shy away from predictions, uh, because I know how, <laughs> how, uh, thin a thread they can be, how, how much we don't know about these teams. And like I said, Alabama more so than ever in the Saban era. Uh, but I, I, I kind of expect to see Alabama and Georgia there. 
Uh, I expect to see them in the SEC championship game. I don't know which way that game will go, but I expect both of those teams to be among the four best teams in the country. And I, I'm not sold on Michigan. Uh, and I'm not sold on Ohio State either. I think this could be a bounce back year for Clemson and Dabo, and we could see Clemson back in there, and then probably the Ohio State-Michigan winner. I would say that's probably going to be your four. Uh, I'm not sold on USC. Uh, they've got to demonstrate they can play some semblance of defense occasionally before uh, they can they can match on that side of the ball or come close on that side of the ball to what Kayla Williams and the offense are going to do under Lincoln Riley. So let's let's go with that. Let's uh, this is all. all this is off the top of my head. Uh, let's say Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State. You know what? That's, you know, that, that's my four, too. So that, that means yeah, there's I'll, no I'll, way that that's I'll, happening. I that's, think that's Matt's exactly. four, too. Well, that's a double whammy right there. <laughs> yeah, Lars jumped on the Clemson bandwagon here like a month or two ago. And it's uh, interesting to see that you think the same thing, Kevin. So, And I like it, man. I like Dabo. I no, a lot of Alabama fans are not fond of Clemson, and, and that's fine. But are you guys with me? Are, don't you like it when Dabo wins games? Not maybe against Alabama, but uh, I just I have a lot of respect for him. Lars did a book on him, so I guess we all like oh, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Dabo fan. I, was, I visited with him. He did a clinic. Bill Clark put on a Nike clinic, coaching clinic, back in February, I think it was. And I spent a couple of days down there, visited with Dabo. Andrew Zhao is on his staff as an as an offensive analyst. Visited with Andrew for a, a bit, and and just Dabo is when you listen to him in that kind of setting, and you look around the room and you see all the high school coaches in there, the junior college coaches, and how wrapped they are, how how focused they are on everything he has to say. Guys taking notes, voluminous notes of he's talking about the wide receiver position. But he's talking about more than that. He's talking about his program, how you build a program, how you maintain a program. Uh, Dabo's elite. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And he's not done winning national championships, I suspect. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of his, and I think he's going to – he hasn't fallen that far. And he, he joked about that uh, during his talk at that coaching clinic. But I, I think they'll be right in the mix again. Kevin, it's always a blast to catch up with you, and especially since uh, Lars and I are, are big Hoops fans, too. And we'll do it again when the season gets closer, and it really is right here. Uh, so thank you for your yes, time. It Appreciate it, Kevin. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, love love our conversations. Uh, let's, let's do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. We will. Thank you so much, Kevin. And as we go to the break, just kind of a rhetorical question here, Lars. Um, I I sense that with Pearl and Kennedy and with Oates, uh, and, and we've seen you know evidence of it the last couple of years that we're we're returning to that great state of Alabama basketball power that we had in the eighties. I sure hope so because it's a lot of fun to watch. All right, I think you're, uh, I think you're right, hundred percent, and it's all because of the coaches, all because of the coaches. Yep. Uh, and I'd like to do a dive into basketball coaches. Well, maybe we'll have to wait a month or so to do that. What I'd like to do right now is maybe have a sip of bourbon and a stick. We'll talk with Reagan Starner from R&R, the Cigar Mansion, in a minute.
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very hot afternoon, partly sunny, a few isolated showers or storms possible through the evening hours. The high today, 99, the low tonight, 73. Tomorrow morning, sunshine, a few isolated storms by afternoon, the high at 97. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 99 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Barry Buckner here. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. And Big Noon Sports is sponsored in large part by our next guest. That's Reagan Starner from R&R, the Cigar Mansion, right there on 6th Street. Lars and I were there yesterday, but you were home with your little girl, precious little girl that I met last year before the Tennessee game. And we missed you, but really, got to be honest with you, not so much. Your dad's a very entertaining fellow. Uh, thanks, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying you've you you have refined the ship so well that you don't even have to be there anymore. <laughs> but you know what? Like, I, I'm glad that you say that because we have a we me and my dad we have a thing all the time about about that. You know, um, our our saying is you know if you go. Disney World, you don't expect Walt Disney to show you around. So, you know, if you come to R and R, you know, and I'm not you there, you should still be able to have an amazing time, even if I'm, you know, not there. And uh, Reagan, I, I know that uh, you uh, smoked your first cigar with your dad uh, after your high school graduation. Wow. What I didn't know, and you, you hadn't told me this, uh, that you went to law school. You yeah, law degree. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet you decide to open. That explains, excuse me, guys, that explains a lot. <laughs> that, 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 don't it, don't it, Matt? <laughs> um, yeah, so just, just tell us, like, what, uh, what, what prompted you to found R&R Cigars and, uh, and not pursue law? And by the way, my dad is a lawyer. And uh, that's the reason I did not go to law school. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when I graduated law school, um, Tuscaloosa didn't have a cigar shop. So um, it just honestly, it, 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 I had more when I was in law school, I managed the cigar shop up in Virginia. And I had more fun doing that than and that doing that than. I did with, you know, law books and, uh, and I was really good at it. You know, um, I, I, I basically opened this guy's store from scratch up in Virginia and, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I'm actually really, really good at this. And, um, and so, you know, when I graduated law school, it was like, well, what do you want to do? You know, you going to be an attorney. Do you want to start your own firm? You know, um, and I was like, no, I think, I think that I want to open a cigar shop. Um, and Randy and I had always wanted to do it anyway. Um, so, you know, it was, it kind of made sense, you know, at that, at that time in my life. And, you know, I think what we're 12 years or 12 years in January will be 12 years later. 
Um, you know, Randy's really, Randy's come, you know, retired and now he's working for us now, um, in his retirement year. So, you know, he wasn't really able to do that the first, you know, 10. Uh, so it's, so it's a lot different, but a little bit different now having Randy there full time, uh, than it has been. Has your law degree helped you in growing your business and just figuring out sort of, you know, uh, exactly what moves to make? Uh, I mean, like, yeah, but there's, there's, there's been a lot of times where the stuff that I learned in law school, uh, what's crazy is, uh, law school teaches you how to think. Right, it teaches you a lot of. It really teaches you a lot of thinking things. Um, so you know, and it teaches you, you know, okay, this is how you should apply the law in this situation. And what it, what I've found more than not is, especially in a time like this, the law is really kind of what people uh, made it, not what it actually is. Um, and you know, like we saw, we saw that a lot during COVID. It was like, hey, you know what? Like, this is like you can't do this. And I was like, no, no, we can. And it's like, okay, well, no, you can't. Okay, well, if you keep talking about. It, then you're gonna lose your business license. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, so, you know, yeah, like the law degree's been really good. I, I, I think, I think it did. Uh, I think it did make me a lot sharper and, 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 and it's, it, it's, I don't know, just trained my mind to think in ways that I probably didn't think before. Um, you know, it, but it was, uh, law school was, law school was different. So, um, you know, but I, but I, I'm, I'm glad I went. It's not for everybody. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that. No, uh, no. But anyway. Away from uh, I have a lot of employees. I have a lot of employees every year. They're like, "Yeah, I want to go to law school." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, you're, you know, you're a first semester dropout, um, <laughs> you know, or, or you know, yeah, you know, you kiss enough ass that you can do a really good job." Um, so you know, it's just, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it is funny though. Greg, that's exactly why I said now. I understand you. Yeah. Uh, your ability to just jump out there and throw a punch and then laugh. Uh, that's the one thing I've always, and I don't know if it's admired as much as respect or whatever, but two attorneys can have a verbal fist fight for 30 minutes in a courtroom, walk out the door and go get lunch. You know, I'm, I take things too personally to be able to do that. Okay. All right, law school one on one. That class is over. Let's go yeah. to football. And I want to know. Uh, everybody talks about the quarterbacks, okay? Yeah. Uh, and you study this game. I want yeah. you to tell me how good Alabama's defensive line can be. Well, you know, nobody wants to talk about the defensive line. Uh, you know, I get, I get, I actually, you know, you talk about people having verbal facets and getting along with it. I have, I have one guy that I argue constantly with about this picture line. I am the biggest Freddie Roach fan on the planet, maybe bigger than Nick Saban. 
um, I I get sick and tired of hearing this Bo Davis, Bo Davis, Bo Davis. I don't want Bo Davis. I want Bo Davis stepping near the campus. I want Freddie Rose for a hundred years. Okay, I want Freddie Rose. I think that this defensive line is going to be one of the better defensive lines that we've ever had. Um, because and and I think it's going to. I think people are people are people. I don't know. We've been we've done a lot of different things over the past few years, dropping our biggest pass rushers back in college. I don't think that'll continue this year. I think that Dallas Turner's going to be going to have a big year. Um, but I, I think I'm really excited. I don't know what all we're going to see from this defense, but I think you're going to see the defense go back to more of the old school Saban style of defense, very physical up front with the front seven. And, uh, and I think that's a, that's a mentality that I think we've been missing up here. The front seven, sure, we were churning out draft picks, but it was really only like one or two guys every year. I think this year you're going to see the front seven operating more as a unit, starting with that defensive line. Reagan, when you talk to uh, just your friends, your customers, just generally speaking, who do you think the fans of Alabama want to be the starting quarterback? Good question. I really think that it's Jalen Milrow. Everybody I talk to is pretty much a Milrow fan. I don't know who's pulling these these uh, other names out of there. I guess it's kind of, you know, and and people have really short memories. You know, they're like, they're like, this is the first time we've had a quarterback competition. I'm like, really? Y'all don't remember? Y'all don't remember Bryce Young and people wanted Paul Tyson, or you know, you don't remember uh, Blake Barnett. You don't remember, you know, people are like, oh, this is Andrew Zhao and and Tyler Watts, you know, and it's like, man, we every year it's the uh, Every year we don't have a returning starting quarterback. It's a it's a question. Um, but I think I think everybody wants to see Milro get his chance. Everybody I talk to, at least, um, I want to see Milro get a chance. I want to see Milro do it. I don't think we're going to find out who the starting quarterback is until uh, you know Texas. I don't think. I, I think that. I think that everything that's going on right now is just kind of how Nick is with with gamesmanship, not wanting to tip his hand, you know, two weeks before the Texas game um, or three weeks, however many, however long it is. Um, but I, I feel confident with Milrow. I mean, look, if it was up to me, we'd be running the triple option with Jalen Milrow at quarterback and then daring teams to stop us. You know, I think it would be awesome and so much fun to see what a triple option could look like with the athletes that we have here. Um, and then we wouldn't have to worry about whether our wide receivers could catch football or not. Um, what a great you know, take. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be fun. I think it would be fun. Uh, well, it'd be hard as heck to defend because all the defenses across the nation 
are going to nickel and dime packages. Yeah. That's why I think David's smart to go back to the run. I, I think it's yeah. brilliant. I they think don't they practice will. against the run. Hey, Reagan, this year, you are going to join us on Thursday because you're a good picker against the numbers, okay? Yeah. You will be with us on Thursday, pick the Thursday night game, and then let's pull a couple of uh, games of local interest, and you'll pick them too, all right? Yeah, man. I can't wait to do it. Tell Randy hey for and 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 we'll uh, Matt and I we'll we'll go head to head with you uh, and right. let's let's use the next couple days to figure out what uh, what the winner receives. So uh, we'll uh, have some fun with it. I can't I think wait. It's, it's called it's called basil hate. All right. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, oh man, I thank you. Thank, thanks, Reagan. Thanks for everything you do. Tuscaloosa weather. A very hot afternoon, partly sunny, a few isolated showers or storms possible through the evening hours. The high today, 99, the low tonight, 73. Tomorrow morning, sunshine, a few isolated storms by afternoon, the high at 97. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 100 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, guys, as we wrap up the show and the um, when y'all just heard James Spann say 100 degrees, it, he almost sounded like he was excited. Uh, I'm sure he's not, you know, he's not pulling for us all to get overheated, but anyway. James C. probably doesn't get to say it very often. That's why he's excited. Anyway. Hey, guys, it's been a pretty good week. What do you want to wrap up with? Well, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, I'll start and then we'll, we'll kick it to Justin, uh, at Tide. But, um, you know, the other day after the show, um, I told you guys I was going to take my son Lincoln golfing. And, uh, I had second thoughts about it because the heat index was literally like 110 to 115. And, uh, but man, little man, he wanted to go. He wanted to go, my eight year old. And he, um, he's really into practicing. And Justin, I'd love to get your sort of take on all this. Like he just, he wants it. He wants it. Like he already is, his goals are, are really high. And so he spent about 30 minutes on, on the range and I probably annoyed a bunch of people because I was, I was, I just sat right behind him and, you know, was just trying to help him. I, I did, I wasn't even hitting and, uh, and, you know, talking probably a little too much. But, uh, then he just, uh, we went and worked on pitching. Uh, and gosh, this, he's got really good feel. And I know like, I, I'm a dad who is, is immensely proud of his son. But then we went out and played nine holes and, uh, we, we pretended that we were, uh, in a, in a father-son tournament playing, uh, best ball. And Matt, I, 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 to- I told you this and I, I just, I can't believe it. I've been playing golf all my life. 
I, I'm a decent golfer, you know. I usually shoot like around 85, 84, somewhere in there. I've dipped, I can dip down into the 70s. Lincoln outplayed me. Lincoln outplayed me. I mean, we're just playing on this little par three course, right? And it's just a pitch and putt. Each, each hole is about a hundred yards. It's called the backyard at Oxmoor Valley. But I just, I, I couldn't have been more proud. I mean, he, he, uh, knocked in a, 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 a 10 footer, uh, putt. He knocked in like a, a, he jarred a 14 footer. He almost hit about a 65 footer double breaker. And this is a kid who could not putt to save his life just three months ago. And it, it's just amazing how quickly he's picking up the, the touch and the feel. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to document this like on social media if he ever, so if he ever does become like what I think he possibly can. But, uh, man, it was hot. It was hot. And it was in the, the top 10 of, uh, of, of, of me being hot, uh, in, 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 in my life. But, uh, I don't know, Justin. When, when did you start playing golf? And I know you're you're a very good golfer. Uh, did you ever, you know, did you did you play with your dad? Was it friends, uh, family members? Uh, what, what? Who encouraged you to get out there? And and did you kind of become obsessive about it the the way that a lot of us are? Yeah, um, I'm a little jealous uh, from hearing you say that just because I started playing golf so late. I, I only started playing golf uh, when I was about a sophomore in high school. And, um, yeah, I, it's that same kind of drive. Uh, I, I love – it was it's almost therapeutic. I loved going to the range, just being by myself. I usually have some headphones in um, and listening. Um, so – I, I think I think you got something on your hands there, and I am very uh, you know we're talking about the heat a lot. I'm I'm extra sympathetic as our AC in the upstairs of Town Square Media has been out all day, and it's about oh, 84 no. degrees here in the studio right now. Oh well, we picked a good day to do our shows remotely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys timed it perfect <laughs> because it was, um, you know, it was what Matt about uh, fifty-eight degrees in there yesterday. It was a meat, it was a meat locker in the in the studio. Oh man, Justin, I didn't know that. Uh, that that's a tough deal. Oh, and, and, and I'll add, Lars, just the, the other part of your question there. Um, yeah, I played with my dad. That, I still play with my dad all the time. It's, uh, it's competition, and uh, I'm glad he introduced me to it. I wish he got me playing earlier so I'd be a little bit better than I am now, but uh, it's, it's definitely a, a good time. We always try to go out. We're going to try and go out and play this Sunday. So, Yeah, I, and I, I, some of my fondest memories of uh, my father – we're just the two of us on the golf course and uh the last time i saw him uh before he passed away he he wasn't feeling well but he was uh feeling well enough to drive the the golf cart in in a mountain course and my dad in his prime was a scratch golfer and um you know, he like he coached me through kind of that last round that we played together, and I shot the lowest round of my life, a 77. And I just remember us on 18, like him just giving me this big hug, and you know, helping me read a putt that I that I canned. And um, it's it, it is so important to have a 
positive memory be the last memory of of a loved one and uh i'm so grateful and it's all because of golf you know and 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 to me now playing with lincoln it's not necessarily about the golf it's just about us spending time together and uh in you know talking and and i i just i i love everything about golf and it, it, matt did, did you have kind of a, a, any similar experiences either with your dad or your your son or daughter on on the golf course to be honest not really i played with my father once in my life quite honestly he didn't like the game he was an engineer he either liked something he did it was black and white no gray in bob coulter's life um but I could go on and on about memories about Little League Baseball and playing catch in the backyard and all of those things that I did with my father. Um, but you're about to bring me to tears. You and Justin are. And I, I was trying to get us out on a, on a good note. But that's well, no, good. I think this is a in great note. But because but, it's important. Yeah. No, this is the magic. This is the pure magic of sports. Right. Yeah, and this is always well, what I have, well, this is what I have tried to write about for my entire career is not necessarily what happens on the field or on the course. It's about the emotions, uh, involved and, and how sports can really bring us so much closer together. And, uh, all of my fondest memories of my father are tied to sports. You know, and uh, and I have a feeling that that Lincoln's memories of mine. Uh, hopefully, I'm not going to be six feet under anytime soon. But uh, that it will be tied to sports. And uh, you know, I like in about an hour and a half, he's got a flag football practice, and I'll be one of probably two dads who will, who will be there. I, I I'm fortunate enough that I have a, a little bit of luxury of time and. Uh, discretion in my schedule. So I, I don't miss any practice of, you know, my, my girls are playing both, uh, softball and soccer this, uh, this fall and, and Lincoln is, uh, he's playing, uh, baseball and, and football and, uh, and golf. But golf is what he wants. And of course, you know, he's like, Daddy, you need to become a member of Mountain Brook Country Club. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I'll okay. Just, I'll, I'll just uh, come up with a, you know, a quarter million dollars and, and, and I'll, uh, <laughs> so you and I can play at Mountain Brook. But uh, that, to me, uh, uh, Justin, um, I'll just circle back to you. Like, that's, that's what makes sports so special is, is again, not necessarily what you accomplish or what your heroes accomplish on the fields of play, but how it fosters uh, relationships and how it enriches relationships. Oh, definitely. I, I, you know, you're talking about making memories. Uh, I, I think my favorite memory with my dad is uh, jumping up and down, hugging each other in the living room after second and 26 uh, to win the national championship. <laughs> and then uh, also some of my lowest moments where we were at the 2017 national championship and watched uh, right after watching Jalen Hurts scramble for a like 50 yard touchdown, you know, in the end zone. And then we watch him lose. That is, uh, you know, highs and lows, but it's, it's the best time. So I, I completely agree. And that's 
you know, the pureness and, and greatness of sports, like you said, Lars. Hey, yesterday, uh, Lars and I made the round in Titletown. Uh, we went to see Reagan and Randy at R&R, the sports mansion, the uh, cigar mansion right there on 6th, downtown. Uh, then we just went towards the campus a little bit and uh, went to Ennis Free. And glad to announce that Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter will be at Ennis Free every Friday serving up lunch at Ennis Free from next Friday to the end of football season. Let me tell you, of course, they got a great assortment of beers, but we're going to be there for lunch, and their meat and three is $9.99, and it's fantastic. So let's go out on a food note. You guys have a great weekend. Be safe, everybody. Hey, Buckner here.